0: Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We had some interesting guests last week. We had um, a from female animation student and we had a Rebitson who's also a Zumba instructor. So we're kind of staying along with a similar theme this week, um, bringing you some more orthodox women who have out-of-the-box careers. Um, You know... I talk to people uh, from different places. I, I speak to people who have not experienced the Orthodox world pers- uh, personally, and they have a lot of misconceptions about what's possible. And then I've also spoken to some people who are from some of the more closed-off elements of the Orthodox world, and they sometimes challenge what's possible or don't believe, you know, what could be possible, or believe that, you know, there's just well, there's this exception there, and there's that exception there, and is this really, uh, you know how many people are there out there like that so um, I'm not claiming to have any hard and fast numbers it happens to be that in the communities that I've lived in there's always been people that have done you know interesting outside of the box types of jobs and um, because we have a network a social media network with you know um, over 10,000 people it allows us to tap into people from literally every part of the world um, and I recently put out um, a post on Facebook asking Um, just some people, some of my Facebook friends, if they knew any women who defy stereotypes, um, we have an article coming out, God willing, in the Jerusalem Post that's going to be featuring Jew in the City and the reporter was looking for some more ideas of women to profile and just comments just started flooding in of different women that are in all sorts of different industries and hobbies. And um, one of the comments that caught my eye was a from female comedian. Now, when I was a child, um, I was pretty funny, or at least my family told me that I was. And I remember that my grandmother told me that I grew up one day to be a comedian. And um, I guess I try to use my sense of humor in uh, the Jew in the City videos uh, as much as possible. Although I sort of have a secret wish to maybe one day go up and do stand up. Um, especially when I was pregnant, I feel like I had like a, a nice like a uh, bit going for all the different things I would complain about with pregnancy. But today we have a woman um, who went out and did that. She is a from female woman who is doing stand up, not just dreaming about doing it. Um, and her name is Joan Weiner, and um, we're going to bring her on the line this morning. Joan, good morning, and thanks so much for joining us. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So, um, you know, it's definitely uh, not the most typical thing to be a, uh, an orthodox female comedian. Probably there's less women in comedy in general, but could you tell our uh, listeners a little bit about your Jewish background? Have you always been observant, or did you grow up not observant? or what? what sure, uh,
1: I grew up on Long Island. <laughs> And my family was not religious, but we were very traditional. Um, and when I, was, um, I, when I was in second grade, my father decided we needed a Jewish education. My brothers and I were sent to Hank on Long Island. And we kind of all got from my brothers wanted to make the house more religious. I kind of got taken along for the ride. And I guess, like, as a family, we're sort of balei chuva.
0: But so you did it from a young age, though, so really for much of I your life. I did it life, from you were- a young
1: age, but, you know, it's not really yours until you own it. And I wouldn't say that I personally, I consider myself a Baltchuva from maybe when I was 20, 21. I, I would feel like even though I was kind of doing it, it didn't really penetrate me until hmm. where I feel like I owned it until much later.
0: Hmm. Anything in particular, any event, or anything you could
1: speak about what made the change for you or... You know, after 12 years of Jewish education, <laughs> when I finally got out on my own, I, you know, I, I think I tried a few different things. I tried both ways, and I, it just sort of settled. And, like, the different, I was in graduate school, and um, I hung out with Chabad a little bit, and the different pieces sort of fell into place where I felt like I had to, I was an adult now, I was a college graduate, I had to either pick a path. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you decided, you, said, no, you know, I've uh, I've spoken to teens before, and I've told them that, um, you know, even though they're born with it, you know, for the kids that grow up observant, um, they ultimately have to choose it just like the Baal Shuvah does if they want to make it, you know, um, impactful and inspiring and, and living and not just by rote. So, um,
1: right. Totally Don't you think you that's on. true? Anything your parents teach you or your teachers teach you, eventually you have to choose it for yourself for it to be real.
0: 100% and I guess the challenge for a lot of you know parents and educators is how do you inspire the kids to to want to choose it for themselves So, okay, so I, I, think, show,
1: have, I have young kids and I think the real challenge is how do you be patient with them while they figure it out I think you have to trust the process a lot more it's, sure. it's, I don't know, I'm, my kids are little and I'm, it's one of the scariest parts of being a parent I think
0: So something that I read recently um, in the book of the Apadarech uh, the author actually talked about how some of the kids that left it Felt like too much was being forced on them, and um, she suggests having your kids to some degree, you know, have the ability to choose, uh, you know, parts of their observance. Not like uh, you know you can give up kosher or or Shabbos, that sort of a thing. But um, around the time that I read this, it was the summer, and my kids were not in a formal program, and so they weren't doing davening as part of uh, camp. And I thought maybe I'm going to let them sort of have a davening chart and let them figure out if they want to to daven each day and I'll give them the gentle reminder that you know, they could be davening now if they wanted to be. And then um, if they do daven, they'll get you know a mark on their chart. And when the chart's filled up, then they can earn a prize or something that they wanted so that they felt like they were earning something, but they were getting to choose it. And it actually worked beautifully. So that was something that we've tried recently with 9- uh, and 11-year-olds. So um, that's, Yeah, that's awesome.
1: I, I love that idea. And I have to say, the phrase, off the derech. Um, I, it kind of sticks with me in a little bit of the wrong way because I, I feel like for a lot of people, the derach is very windy and through the woods and sure. off the beaten path, and, and maybe that's you know how you and I got to this conversation. But right, right. I, I feel like when we, we make the path too narrow, of course people aren't going to stay on it. I, I I feel like I had to find my own path a little bit, like the way that Judaism was going to work for me, and I yeah. think that's true a lot of the people that I know. Right.
0: No, I totally, um, the name of the book happens to be off the Derek. So that's why I quoted right. that, but right. So I am. No, I know it's a path. phrase
1: that we hear a lot. I just, <laughs> sure. I wonder if it's a phrase that, that's helpful or not. for Right. Some no, people. no. So
0: there's definitely people that prefer formally observant as opposed to off the Derek. just, it happens to be the name of the book. So now <laughs> I want to talk to you about the, the path that you chose that you found to, to fit in this. So where did the, the comedy come in? Was, did you always have aspirations of being a stand-up comic or did this sort of develop so i think
1: i did i always appreciated humor i think i always wanted to be funny um every year the jewish week newspaper in new york does this contest of the funniest amateur jew in new york i think it's called and one year i just said you know what i'm just gonna go do this and my <laughs> husband thought i was a little bit nuts and my friends were a little bit worried that i would make a fool of myself But, you know, at some point you get too old to skydive or, uh, you know, I'm not going (laughs) to climb Mount Everest. So you still got to do something to challenge yourself. And I I did it and I loved it. And a year later I won the contest. Mm -hmm. And things kind of took off from there. When people heard that, I I started to get gigs and um, having a good time. And so... um what what
0: informs your material? Where are you getting inspiration? If any of us hosting the show <laughs> I today write might down want the funny to um, my pursue
1: their dreams said. of being a <laughs> I write down the funny things my husband says and I say them on stage. Look, comedy comedy is really everywhere, especially if you're a Jewish mother. Um, and even from before I was a mother, like being an Orthodox Jew in a in a secular world is just such stark contrast and. Humor comes from taking two things that are completely um, non-matches and putting them together. Hmm.
0: That's a very good point. Do you have any uh, comedians that you look to for inspiration? I know there's not so many uh, clean comics out there, but are there any people that you to? You know, to
1: it's, the- it's funny because there's a lot of people that I admire because they're so willing to tell the truth on stage, even if it's a difficult truth, and that's what makes them great. Mm. Um, also, I love people who are really original. Um, I like David Sedaris, even though he he's more of a, write, a written comic, he mm-hmm. writes. And, you know, I love Jerry Seinfeld, Louis C.K., Sarah Silverman. I... <laughs> I prefer to work clean. Yeah. Um, I think there's. I think people ultimately prefer it, and I think people who feel a need to be off-color, it's really just a substitute for a lack of creativity. If you're really yeah. funny, the humor should work for itself. But Seinfeld is very clean and endlessly yes. funny, and um, I, I, I love he's, Joan he's Rivers, even though she was horribly off-color. I, I
0: completely, I think when TV shows and movies and comedy starts to rely on... Um, the not clean stuff I think it's a filler and it's a lack of of great writing and great storytelling and great comedy because if the content was actually great you didn't have to go there so um, yeah I I totally
1: uh, totally agree and I hear now because in in the past few years I've actually gone back and emceed the contest and been the hostess for the contest that I won and I I hear people who just don't have material just are just off color as if uh that's a substitute and it's just uncreative and, you know, lacking comedy in my mind.
0: What kind of audiences have you performed to? Only uh, Jewish crowds or also secular audiences? So I
1: definitely am better when I'm performing, I think, in front of a Jewish crowd because I can get really niche in my humor and, and make comments about things like talent pots that secular audiences won't really understand what it's like right. to have a talent pot in your sink on a Thursday night. Um still waiting <laughs> to get washed from the week before, and Jewish women do. I love from women, um, mostly because they don't even care if I'm funny. They're usually just happy to be out of the house for the night. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I perform in front of mixed audiences. I've performed in front of secular audiences. But, you know, I, I have my niche, and I I find a lot of comedy in the contrast of being an Orthodox Jewish woman. And um, that's, that's who I play best to, I think. And have you ever met
0: any other from female comedians before?
1: Oh, yeah, there are a few. Um, I have a friend in Boston, his name is Marion, who performs um, a lot in England and here. She's from England and now she's here. There's a Yell at the Kosher Comic. There are, there are a few of us. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, When people want to have events and you know you have singer and dancer and singer and singer and then they want yeah. something else, they think, hey, let's find a comedian. There, there's a handful of us.
0: And have you met any younger girls who have come up to you after a show and said, I want to do this now, you've helped inspire me to... You know, uh, I
1: haven't. I would love to meet some. I haven't.
0: Huh. That's surprising. And uh, do you have any advice for maybe someone who's sitting at home right now who would like to begin their uh, stand-up career?
1: Look, I think in general when people talk about Jewish women who are off the beaten path or who are not stereotypical, I think what we mean is people who don't feel like they have to fit in the mold. So I think whatever somebody wants to do, whether it's being an artist, whether it's telling jokes, um, there's, there's usually room for it, you know? Yeah. So I I think that I wish I would have started, you know, when I was 20 years younger. Of course, my life wasn't as funny then. But (laughs) I I think you have to have guts. Look, everybody knows when you get to a certain age, it's not the things that you've done that you wish you hadn't. It's the things that you didn't do and wish you had that you regret. Hmm.
0: Have you had any negative feedback or anyone saying a woman should be doing You know, it's funny, I
1: haven't, because for a long time I was really scared to tell people. And it was it was as close to, like, coming out of the closet as I, I could imagine, like where you have to kind of tell people, like, here's something you don't know about me. Right. And I told, like, a Rabbitson that I was close to and certain members of my own family I was really scared to tell. And I've gotten nothing but great feedback because ultimately people love to laugh. And I think instinctively people realize that it's important to laugh when you can.
0: Hmm. And you're are you part of the Chabad world? Is that where you would classify yourself if you had to box yourself in? Or um, there...
1: I did not marry into that world and I, I still find a lot of inspiration from Chabad and mm-hmm. I love studying um, Chabad things, and when I really need to be inspired and uplifted, that's where I turn, but I yeah. would say my family, were more, I don't know, modern, orthodox, black something, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's interesting, because you know, I've, I've gone to some conversations with people recently about what you can and can't do in different communities and look, there's certainly certain places where things are more uh, restrictive or there's less out-of-the-box stuff happening, and I guess what it makes me wonder is, do we put ourselves in these boxes? Um, or are they completely external? Or Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's just sort of a, a real question, like what would happen if some places where people do more vanilla things if they tried doing out of boxes You know, I think
1: that we, we think that people are a certain way until we get really close and we realize that they're all just people. I, yeah. I've performed, and I was asked to perform for very from Hasidic Satmar women in one of yeah. these... Um, places that they go right after they have a baby. And I was like, you're going to bring in a comedian? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> these women are bored. They, you know, after after they're done at night putting the babies to bed, they they want to laugh. So when you meet people up close, they're they're really, everyone's just people, you know? Yeah. I recently heard of this, like, dance club just for women where women go to just, you know, because women want to dance, and you can't always yeah. wait for a wedding to, to turn on the symphony music. I, I, I think that... that you know, look, laughter is one of those things that's universal. If you could serve somebody a good meal or tell them a good joke, it doesn't matter who you are. That's sure. that's important.
0: Amazing. All right, well, thank you uh, so much for your time and for sharing your story with us. And um, Thank you. Are... Can
1: I just plug my website, JoanWeiner.com? Yeah, sure.
0: yeah, yeah, say it one more time.
1: JoanWeiner.com. JoanWeiner.com. If you'd
0: like a great laugh, from an Orthodox Jewish woman who could, uh, specializes in cholent humor, um, and you're you're in Israel, right, Joan?
1: I am now. Yeah.
0: Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, check Thank out your so much, and enjoy the snow, New York. Yeah. Thanks so much. We we'll try.
1: <laughs> take the, take <laughs> have care. a good day. Bye.
0: And next up, we have some more Orthodox female performing uh, stars on the show today. Um, this group, uh, they are known for their singing and they are, um, a, a pretty popular Hasidic alt rock band known as the Bulletproof Stockings. These ladies have been featured in the New Yorker, Wall Street Journal, Daily Beast, CBS, Fox, ABC. They were just on an Oxygen episode, AOL, You've Got. They've been, um, really uh, played tons of places, um, in certainly Jewish audiences, but, um, even in something called Arlene's Grocery or something like this. I, for me, I feel a little bit like a loser when I learn about, you know, cool um, music locations from, uh, you know, a Hasidic alt-rock band, or I learn about pop music from the Maccabees. but um, <laughs> I, it's just, that's actually how it is. And, um, and uh, Perel Wolf of uh, Wolfram Stockings couldn't even hold her laughter back. Perel, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Dahlia will be with us in a few minutes, um, and welcome to uh, Jew in the City Speaks.
2: Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me. Sorry, yeah. you're cute. <laughs> for sure.
0: So um, you guys have really gotten uh, a ton of press before you came on. We were sort of chatting beforehand. I was saying that uh, there's a principle in Perkyavos that mitzvah goer is mitzvah, that one mitzvah leads to another, and PR goer is PR, that more PR leads to another. So <laughs> how long were you guys performing and playing before you got that first break? Like, What, what, what was that road like?
2: First gig or first press?
0: Oh, first press.
2: Oh, so First Press is actually really amazing. Um, we were first mentioned in the New York Daily News within less than six months of even knowing each other. So mm-hmm. it was pretty crazy. Like, they just called us up. They We had a Log Bomer show that was coming up, and they called us up and said that they had heard about it and saw a flyer somewhere. They were doing some piece on Crown Heights, and they were like, a all-girl rock band, we've got to feature that in there, so Baruch Hashem, you know, a lot of the press that we got in the beginning was kind of out of nowhere, you know, we had somebody from The New Yorker who was at one of our shows and we had no idea that there was someone from The New Yorker there, and they wrote about us and someone tagged me on Facebook and was like, hey, by the way, you guys are mentioned in The New Yorker, we're like, what? The New Yorker? That's kind of a big deal. There's like two giant paragraphs all about the band, I was like, wow, that's, that's no joke, so Baruch Hashem. I mean, we've gotten we've gotten a lot of press. Um, you know, we've been featured in a bunch a bunch of things. Even in the first year, you know, of of being a band, I think I think it was the first year, we were featured in the New York Post. We were featured on AOL. And you know, when we ask the media outlets where they've heard about us, they just you know. This one heard it from Times of Israel, and this one heard it... Actually, someone had told us they heard about us on crownheights.info, which was really huh. funny. Like, the New York Post was like, oh, yeah, we read about you on crownheights.info. Like, you guys follow crownheights.info? Oh, They're like, insane. yeah, why not? I was like, great, that's awesome. So, Baruch Hashem, you know. um, It's been, like, growing and growing, but I'd say this last summer, um, when we were featured on the reality show, we had a gig that we had booked at Arlene's Grocery, like you mentioned before, which is a very iconic rock club um, on the Lower East Side, and it was the first show that we had ever booked at a secular venue where they would allow us to allow just women into the audience. I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, everybody has their concerns, which is, you know, if we don't allow men in, maybe the girls won't want to hang out, or maybe they won't drink, or maybe they won't, you know, how can we fill a whole room of women? And we were like, we will prove to you that we can fill this room with women, and Baruch Hashem, we were able to. And so since then, we've been getting more and more calls from secular rock venue saying hey we heard about your ladies night we want to try it here and it's mm. it's really been awesome Baruch Hashem.
0: and what did the people from arlene's grocery and it just so why well, okay I'm, I'm just so hung up on the fact that a, 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 a nightclub is called arlene's grocery I, I saw that it seemed like a big deal but I, I was like what what does it even mean did they give you <laughs> feedback like we never knew it could be this cool or this powerful or did you get sort of
2: what was arlene's groceries reaction yeah Oh, Baruch Hashem, they were really blown away. They had no idea, like, we had no idea how many people were going to come to that show. I mean, it's really it's really amazing. Being on the Oxygen show on Living Different um, kind of prompted us to put ourselves out there in a bigger way. Because, you know, they were like, you know, we're all just sitting around discussing, you know, what what is the next move for Bulletproof Stockings. We've been playing shows around Brooklyn, and we played a show in L.A., but mostly we've been playing around Brooklyn, a little bit in Manhattan, for the couple years that we were together, and we've been producing all of our own shows. So we, you know, find a venue ourselves. We've made venues out of people's homes or flower shops or, you know, vintage clothing stores, and we have to buy a stage, we have to pay for a sound engineer, lights, lights, you know, hire a bartender, whatever it is, depending on what the show calls for. So we put all of the money in ourselves and then pray that we break even with the ticket sales. And so, you know, slowly, slowly we've been getting hired, but it's mostly been private Jewish events. So we were like, we know that we have a product. We know that this is something that secular women will be excited about too, not just the music, but even just this idea of being in a women's only space and, and having a, a time to themselves to rock out and especially like in a rock venue, you know, how can we get ourselves out there in a bigger way. So we were kind of brainstorming. We were like, why don't we just go to these clubs and just knock on their door and we'll just keep knocking until someone says yes. So that's right around the time that the uh, reality show came to film us. So they came with us and it's really funny, like, people are, keep asking me, people who are watching the show, they're like, how much of it is scripted? How much of it is real? You know, you guys really look like you're actually anxious when you go meet, you know, the owner of Arlene's Grocery, or the manager, rather. And we're like, no, that's real. <laughs> that's really our first time meeting her. We're really actually nervous. We really don't know what she's going to say. And, you know, we went to a few places, and, and people said no. And Arlene's even said no. But we went out on the streets. Um, of Brooklyn, and we got petitioned together. We just, you know, came out with our little clipboards, and we were like, you know, we're making women-only shows. You know, we just need signatures from women saying that they would support a women's only space and that they would come to the show. And we got a lot of signatures. We emailed it to Arlene's, and they were like, okay, these girls mean business. So they were like, it looks good. We're going we're gonna to give it a go. Let's try it. And even still, Dolly and I were looking at each other like, okay, we have like 35, 40 signatures, you know, but that's after one day of, of promoting. I mean, we need to get at least 150 people in this room. Wow. And so literally when we walked out on stage that night, we still didn't even know, you know, how many people would be there, but thank God. I mean, they were blown away. The The people who own our Arlene's were like, your music is awesome. The women were loving it. You're welcome back here anytime. And mm. we'll definitely give you a good recommendation. And thank God, you know, we've been getting calls from a lot of different places. So it's just total hashkaha practice but bar- no, but I really, just want to
0: say something it's hashkaha pratis, like there's the divine intervention but what i want to say to your credit besides the fact that you're doing what you love and following your dreams which is amazing and i think everyone should you know do that in some capacity whether it's their career or it's a hobby or it's some sort of you know um chesed or volunteer thing they're doing you guys are such hard workers. You're pounding the pavement. You're not taking no for an answer. Um, it's it's just to to be an entrepreneur or to have a dream and to not give it up is just so uplifting. I'm just like sitting here like getting the chills as you're telling the story because um, you're not going to be told what you can't do. Really is what it comes down to. And look at everything that you have achieved because of that attitude. So really, kola kavod to you both for that. Mm-hmm. Do you um do you have any stories of any um, non-Orthodox women that have come to a show and they've told you how you have changed their perception or perspective on what an Orthodox or a Hasidic Jew could be like. Is that anything that ever happened?
2: Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of that. Um, one of my, like, fondest memories, and it was w- one of our earlier shows, we did a show in Park Slope at the, what they, I think they were calling the Jewish Music Cafe. It was in a shoal there. I don't even remember the name of the shoal. Nea maybe? Oh, I feel terrible. I'm going to, like, totally botch this up. But there's a Sholin Park Slope that they have, like, a venue, basically, in the basement. And a lot of people have played there. I know I think Soul Farm played there. Like, you know, a lot of Jewish um, musicians that people know of. So we had a show there, and we promoted I, – I was – all over. I walked like every single square inch from Crown Heights to like Atlantic Center and back like just telling anybody who would listen to me about this show. We were really hoping for a big turnout and we did not get a huge turnout. We got, you know, 30, 35 people, which isn't terrible for a new band, but it was, you know, we were hoping for something bigger, but there were a lot of non-Jewish women there, secular women and, secular Jewish women and non-Jewish women there, which we weren't expecting. And I just have this really strong memory of looking out in the crowd during a nig, and we were singing a Hasidic melody, and there were these hipster girls in jeans, like, holding hands with Hasidic women, dancing the hora in a circle. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's got to be the first time that's ever <laughs> happened. That's awesome, and they loved it, and they stayed for the whole thing, and they were like, "Wow! Not only do we like the original music, we liked the Hasidic music that you sang, and that's something that we get at a lot of our shows. You know, a lot even the camera crews, you know, the film guys who have been at our shows, they're like, you know, I know I'm not, you know, technically supposed to be listening, I'm just filming here, but you know, they're allowed to be there for for that purpose. They're like, wow, those Hasidic melodies are." really, really moving. So it's really awesome. People really respond well to both the original music and the Hasidic music, which is not something that you would necessarily expect, but you know, people of all backgrounds can connect to the music, which is really, really awesome. And definitely with this Oxygen show, we've been getting a lot of um, mail, like a lot of things in our inbox just talking about, you know, I'm not Jewish, but I totally connected to your story and to your music, and it's really inspiring. Or you know, I don't know anything about Hasidim. Totally changed my my vantage point. I would never have even thought any of the things that you said. You guys were so eloquent and and really inspiring, and that's really awesome to hear. Like, there's nothing better than hearing that back because for sure, you know, the only hesitation we had about being on a reality show was, is this going to be a kiddush Hashem, or is, are we shooting ourselves in the foot? Because you know, reality shows are awesome, but they're also very well edited, and yeah. there's all sorts of things can like that can come or through crazy
0: or that sort of a thing.
2: Right. So, Baruch Hashem, we were very, we were very happy with it, and, and Baruch Hashem, we keep getting more and more, you know, secular fans coming in, and I think that that's, that speaks volumes about what it is that women really want. So, for anybody who gives us a hard time, which fortunately isn't, too, you know, that, that's not too many people, but there are some people, you know, anything that's big, anything that's impactful is going to have, you know, lovers and haters on either side of the spectrum, and so we definitely... You don't definitely need
0: to tell taken, me that
2: uh, <laughs> Huh? Yeah, so I know, right? tell me I, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I know. I'm sure you know. know. I'm sure you know. So yeah, thank God. But um, but it's been very positive, and we're really, you know, we just feel really blessed.
0: And do you ever hear from younger girls who tell you, um, "Now I want to do something out of the box or unusual because I saw that you did it"? Have you gotten any feedback like that?
2: yes we definitely have we've gotten feedback like that from girls themselves we've gotten feedback like that from parents who are saying that about their girls you know that they're really excited and and want to you know give this over to their girls and give them that Empowerment to go do something with music. I also we also get messages from women who are BalTuvas, people who, you know, grew up secular and then became religious later in life, um, and who say, you know, I used to be a musician back in college and I totally gave it up, thinking that I don't have, there's no place for me here, you know, and this makes me want to pick up my instrument again and do something with it. And that's the best. That's just like the best thing you could hear, you know, or, you know, like you said, like a young girl writing to us saying, I never thought that being a musician was a, you know, financially viable option for an Orthodox Jewish girl, and now I'm starting to rethink that. Now I want to be like you. I want to go out there and be a musician, which is amazing. You know, not being a musician is not for everyone, by all means. I mean, certainly that's not what we're trying to promote. But if you are a musician or that is your talent and that's your niche, for sure, you absolutely should be trying to work that out and and giving that over to the world. What, so.
0: what was the plan when you were, were coming to the end of our, of our segment here now? Unfortunately, I have so many more questions to ask you. What was the plan when you guys started this? Was this, did you think that you'd be on TV and you know, uh, featured in the Wall Street Journal or was this kind of like a hobby on the side? Was this meant to be a livelihood? What What was the vision when this began?
2: Um, I I started writing music, um, like, just a few years ago. I had just gotten divorced for the second time, actually, at the tender age of 24. Mm. And Baruch Hashem, like, you know, as, as, as happens with a lot of, you know, hard times, art sometimes, creativity starts to flow. And so the music just started coming right then. I had no idea what to do with it. And Baruch Hashem, like, you know, after I spent a few months writing, and working on it, it kind of, it was almost like Hashem just, like, gave me the answer. He was like, hey, you need to start a women's band and play for women only. And it was like, what? That's a crazy idea. Why would you tell me to do that? I mean, just short of Hashem telling me that, like, I can't explain it any other way. So I was like, all right, well, that's that. You better find me an awesome drummer. And Bar Hashem Dalia, who's an amazing drummer and has a lifetime of experience over me in the music world, you know, is the first you know musician that I met and as soon as we met it was instantly clear like hmm. for sure this is going to work for sure we were going to make a big splash some way somehow and so we're not actually that surprised about the press i, I hope that that doesn't come off the wrong way like we really trust in the shlichas we really trust that this is our life's mission mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's more like vindication, like, yes, Hashem is telling us this is what He wants. It's not like, you know, because we have moments when it's a little slower, moments where people were giving us a hard time, where we started to doubt it, like, are we getting a little ahead of ourselves here? Like, do we really have a product? Do we really have something that women want? Are they going to get excited about her? Carol, we're, our we're head, just at the end of the know? segment. Could so. you
0: quickly plug your, your um, donation? You're doing a campaign right sure, now. Yes, you have sure, sure.
2: A... Yeah, Baruch Hashem. So we are recording our first full-length album. We actually have an EP album of four songs out that we put out just shortly after we met. That's available on iTunes or Amazon. It's called Down to the Top. It has four songs, but we are recording our first full-length album, which God willing will be coming out sometime this year. And we are promoting a Kickstarter campaign in the next month. So if you go to Facebook and like our page, Bulletproof Stockings, it's two words, Bulletproof Stockings, uh, like our page, you'll get all the updates. Kickstarter campaign is going to be launching very soon, and we're definitely you know, looking for support. We're trying to raise money to put this album out there, and we think it's going to be awesome. So if you like what you hear, we'd love all the support we could get.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. We are out of time. Um, Really so uplifting and amazing. And I hope you're inspired, everyone at home, just like I'm feeling right now. Have a great day.
2: Awesome. Thank you.